Welcome, everyone, to Anarchy in Space, episode number five. I am Nikki P here, as always, with Mr. Eric Kyler. How are you doing today, Eric? Uh, doing pretty good, buddy. How's it going with you? Uh, you know, existential dread uh, just sinking into my bones, making me hate living. <laughs> I told my wife today, like, like, I don't want to have to kill all of us, but if it comes down to it, <laughs> I'm still not going to do it. Yep. I'll want to... But I'm a coward, so. Anyways, talking about cowards, we're here looking at episode number five of The Expanse, season one. And what a wonderful episode it is. Yes, aptly titled Back to the Butcher. Which is referencing Mr. Fred Johnson, the butcher of, what the hell is he the butcher of? Uh, Yeah, the butcher of Anderson Station. That's right. See, I keep wanting to, I, 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 I keep getting it confused because you have anderson dawes and i keep yeah. i always want to call fred johnson anderson dawes but they're <laughs> but they're not but they have yeah. that connection in that they're both opa right and then you have the anderson station thing so it's it, it, it just fucks with me <laughs> like I, <laughs> I try to keep it in line but I, I always mess it up and then like yep. the johnson part i always kind of want to call him john so i feel like i want to call him john anderson right <laughs> but <laughs> Um, at any rate, so one of the through lines of this is they're going to kind of get into the backstory of Mr. Fred Johnson, who used to work for the Earth Navy. Wasn't that what it was? Yeah. Um, according to his history, he was a UN Marine Colonel. Yeah. And, uh, 11 years ago, he goes into Anderson Station and shoots a bunch of miners in the face. Eh, I mean, we can we can make it more complicated because there's a lot of a lot of issues with what's what went on there aside from aside from him, but yeah, yeah, you know at the end of the day, fucking cops a cop, and he did cop, that's true. He did cop shit. That's what we can say. Yes. So <clears throat> let's start at the beginning of this episode, and we have the we have. Does it start with Miller? Does it start with them on the Rosinante? I can't quite remember. Uh, I believe it started with them on the. Uh... Ross and Ante go on to Tycho Station. Oh, that's well. They're, they're they wake up and they're healing up from the last episode, right? They're using some of their sweet technology. Where Amos like has broke his femur or some shit, and they're about to zip that right up. Yeah, got, got some good old bones sticking out of the leg, and <laughs> next thing you know, they they crack it into place, and then they put on that cast that heals itself and seals everything up. Right. I love their technology in this this episode, like this series. I just wish it was all here. You know, like you you got the spray and like you put a put a spray with like a chemical on it and then like there's a glove. Yeah. Like when you lose appendages, they grow back and shit. Like Yeah. Yeah, stem cell research. <laughs> so but anyways, so they find themselves <coughs> with the dead Martian on yeah. a Martian ship. And their big conundrum here is that, you know, they're, hey, man, the ship's beautiful and we're out here and I got us running cold so nobody knows we're out here. And Amos is in his stupor, kind of wakes me. He's like, then who sent us a message? Right. Which turns out to be Mr. Fred Johnson, who's like, listen, motherfuckers, I don't know who you are, 
but some crazy shit's going on in space right now. And unless you get back at me, we're just gonna blow you the fuck out of the water. Right. He's 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 out there making that Skrilla, working on that fucking uh, station for the the Mormons, and he ain't got he ain't got time for no people floating up in there trying to make busy for him. You know. Yeah, it's very true. <laughs> he's like, you're gonna you're getting in the way of my paper. Exactly. Now, amongst them, there are issues because as a lifelong belter, uh, Naomi hates Fred Johnson because Fred Johnson is hated amongst the belters for being the butcher of Anderson Station. And yeah. so she doesn't trust him. He's he's everything that's awful and evil about the world, and he's responsible for countless deaths, which you'll realize later on many seasons into the future that there's reasons for her to think that actually are more reflective of her than they are of Johnson. But right. we're not quite there yet. And so they're trying to decide, like, look, we can't turn ourselves in because, you know, where are we going to go? The only people who know that we're not, that we didn't blow up both the, uh, what the hell was it? That we didn't blow up the, the Donager and the, what the hell is it? Yeah, there's so many fucking ships in the show. The Canterbury? Yeah. The only people who know, yeah. we, we look, basically, we're going to be looked like terrorists. Everywhere we've been, we're the only survivors of two of the biggest disasters in space history right now. Yeah. Yeah, people are not going to be taking us that. So they're looking at the only option they have. It's like, well, we can't go to the Martians because they're going to see us in a Martian ship with a dead Martian on board and be like, y'all motherfuckers killed our people, and they're not going to listen to us. Yeah, exactly. And if we even got close enough to the fucking earth because they'd probably bomb us out of the fucking water for existing and, you know, say we're declaring war by just being there because we're a Martian ship in Earth territory or UN territory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and then what are we going to, what are we going to do? Like, we'd have to get through either of those to get to our people on the belt and then what are they going to do, you know? So, the the odd man out and the kind of, the only thing that we have is <clears throat> Fred Johnson, this guy who is kind of outside all of the systems in in certain ways. Now, they don't necessarily trust him, but they have a better shot of dealing with the, the unknown quality than the known qualities of the other ones, I guess. Right. So, ultimately, Naomi's against it. Amos sides with her because you're the boss. Yeah, exactly. Alex is immediately kind of on board with Holden. And then we actually see later on Amos kind of approaches Naomi, and he actually flips her vote on it because he's like, look, I get what you're feeling, but... The fact of the matter is it may be a shit option, but it's the only shit option we have. We can't just sit here in space and do nothing because we will die that way. For sure die that way. Right. If we take up this possible option, maybe we don't die. So we have certain death versus maybe we don't die. Maybe we don't die looks much better. Yeah. It's kind of like one of those things where it's a 10% chance of survival, but we'll take it. Yeah. 10% is still better than zero. (laughs) That's correct. It's shitty math, but it is the math that we have. Exactly. And so the episode ends up with them, you know, taking him up on the offer. Now, while they're all going on this, we've mentioned it. And the thing that Naomi has issues for is because the butcher of Anderson Station, uh, Fred Johnson, murdered a whole bunch of belters who are. And by the way, this is uh, the part of the story is that he doesn't he left the military over this because. Right. He didn't agree with the call that he felt he was forced to make by the military, basically. You know, we, we, we have this a lot with, uh, you know, ANCAPs and stuff, you know, anarchists that come out of the military. is like they just they, – they saw firsthand how evil it can be, and a lot, a lot of them kind of look at moving our way as recompense for what they did themselves. Yeah, that's a uh, common story amongst all of us. It's uh, see what evil the empire does, and then it's like, you know what? Uh, I don't want any more part of this. So 
the thing is, is that you had this a station that was taken over by Belters. Now, from the UN or the corporate perspective, they're considered terrorists. They've taken something, taken over this thing. Right. The issue is that you have the internal politics of that organization kind of getting in the way of things. You have women and children on board with the, the men who took it over. And you have some people that want to surrender. Like, they're going to fucking kill us all if we don't do this. And then you have certain people trying to use the entirety of them through democracy to as leveraging chips to, you know, like, hey, well, let's hold out for more. Let's hold out. Let's hold out. We're not giving up anything. We're going to stand our ground. And, you know, there, I'll even say it's kind of got some parallels to what's going on with us right now. You know, I admire people that want to stand their ground. Yeah. But at the cost of the lives of other people, is that kind of, the, is that the hill you want to die on, I guess? Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot of anarchists out there today, like purity testing other anarchists for keeping the, keeping the low profile. And you're kind of like, could you maybe wait until we see what the score is, see how all this is working? I mean, clearly there we're not the majority. <laughs> yeah, not even close. And we kind of need to see how how bad the normies like where they're at. Because you know, I'm I'm personally I've got a kid, so I can't let the lynch mob come for me. I have to make sure she is safe. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, you know, they're they are they're that true. You know, live free or die. And they take that dying bit real serious. I'm I'm more of an educator. I'd like everyone on earth to learn that there is a better way. Unfortunately, I cannot force them to learn that better way. I can only, you know, as as Mr. Rumpel would say, spread the spread it to the remnant. But as much as a lot of people like to say, the remnant is not everyone. So you kind of got to play the long game. And playing the long game kind of by default means you have to stay alive to play the long game. <sighs> yeah. So sometimes that quote from the movie The Patriot uh, comes up. It's the uh, I'm a parent. I don't have the luxury of principles. Um, we we did a we did a Father's Day episode with the uh, Libertarian Union. I think a year or two ago on and uh we that was specifically what we talked about because yeah. uh we had we had all of us were dads on there and then we had our buddy who is going to be a dad and we yeah. kind of you know talked about it at a certain point like you know it's all well and good to have your principles but at a certain point like if i'm dooming my child to a life that they don't get to choose for themselves like what yeah. the fuck good are my principles yeah it's a it, it's a tough one it's a tough one for sure and that's kind of exasperated in this fact because you have a whole bunch of people on this this station that are the Anderson station where you have like I think there's a specific line where the one guy looks over at the actual guy in charge and he says, look, if you're losing your spine, maybe you're not the guy to speak for us anymore. Right. As he's holding his daughter. And it's like it's not about spine. It's like how, how do you want to doom these children? Because that's what you do. Yeah. And ultimately – them playing hardball does, in fact, doom the children. He's the butcher of Anderson Station because their unwillingness to play with the, you know, play with the much larger army kills them. Like, the, he kills women, children, men indiscriminately as a matter of, you know, the duty of what he's supposed to do. And that's due to people trying to push their luck. You know, you can say, well, you died a martyr's death, but you... You martyred a whole lot of other people that didn't need it. And in the broad scheme of things, what what does that accomplish? You know, because they still died as uh, terrorists in the eyes of everyone. That's like you said, all the boog boys are out there ready to fight. I'm like, you know, they've spent the past two, three years literally hyping up the world around us to believe that you're all right-wing terrorists. And so when you're in that newspaper, if you're in that newspaper, it's not, it's not going to be you're a hero. 
maybe maybe you're a hero to like 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 Mr. Duncan Lemp that no one other than our community has ever heard of. Yes. And if they did, he was a right-wing terrorist. And he put his yeah. wife and kid in danger for his shitty ideology is what they'll say. Yeah, and they have said. Yeah. Got into a couple of Twitter exchanges about that. And it's like, I was like, oh, uh, you know, block. I was like, yeah, we're, we're not going to talk about your, your crazy people that, uh, you know, have guns and they're just nuts. You know, and then they don't want to actually look into the facts of the case where the guy was asleep. You know, he wasn't confronting the officers at all because they shot into the house first and all that stuff. Well, so. But the thing is, is that, you know, as much as you want to be pissed off at people for that, like you really can't because the fact of the matter is they have, there is a serious propaganda campaign out there designed oh, yeah. to make them think that like for what you've had. I mean, even the word libertarian, you've had two years of fucking what's his name on Fox news talking about how, how terrible libertarians, I, I libertarian ideology is Tucker. Oh yeah. Tucker face. Yeah. You know, he, he's he's talked so much about us, even though we don't have anything to do with what's going on in Washington. He'll talk mad shit on us. You know, you have articles using the words talking about our friends, about how they're terrorists. Like, I can't remember where it was. They had like, is it, was it Newsweek or whatever put out that, uh, that article about the Boogaloo? Yeah. I know all the guys that, <laughs> that they talked to him or talked about in that. Like, they're, yeah. they're people that we interact with, you know, on Twitter and shit. Like, the real people that have, you know, real serious committed ideologies. Yeah. And and ultimately, when they, you know, they take what those people say and they edit it down just to the thing that is they're violent extremists. Well, they're, yeah. they're the, no one threatening violence. They're they're saying violence will be met with violence, which is, I think, how anyone would, would do anything. Right. So without getting too lost in the weeds on it, the, the point, <laughs> the point is, is that you have a situation here where, you know, you have the way something is written. Now, granted, there are true believers amongst, like, the OPA factions that yeah. do look at them as, as martyrs, you know, and is willing to get another round of people willing to die and murder for their cause. Obviously, I'm looking at this from the UN perspective. Yeah. <laughs> like, because you have, you have two parallel things happening as far as perception goes. And it's a little frustrating to have to deal with that. Um, it's, you said it's, it's the th things that I love about the show is that, like, I, we we're five episodes in, and I, there has not been a single thing that has happened in this show that we couldn't find a parallel that matches what's going on in the real world. And like, I think that's a testament to how well written and how thoughtful it is about you know the things that it, it addresses. Yeah, and even though this episode came out in 2016, you know, there's stuff that it parallels with even in 2024 years later. So. Oh, absolutely. Um, when was the book written? I think is the book even a little older than that. Probably. Uh, I haven't read any of the books. I don't know when those were written, but uh, they're they're still pretty new. But I, I want to say they're they're all within I think the last ten years, maybe. Yeah. They got they got a TV show pretty fucking quick. <laughs> so. Gotcha. <laughs> anyways, uh, it's 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 a very impressive feat to me that it manages to have so much to say because it's like. It's not even like we've repeated ourselves a whole lot talking about the different things that happen. There's a whole lot of very different, a whole lot of different questions that it asks in each episode. So, you know, that's kind of addressing the situation that we have going on politically with uh, what is now by the end of the episode known. They managed to change the signature. Fred Johnson helps them do that. So they're no, now lo no longer a Martian ship. They are now the Rosinante. Finally, I can, I can refer to it as the Rosinante. I'm excited. <laughs> 
It's been killing me not to call it the Ross not to call, say refer to them as being on the Rossi. And uh, and then they're going to get a new paint job. And right. I think they I think that they do like basically some ground effects kind of stuff to it so it looks a little bit less like a Martian ship. Yeah, like they disguise it just enough. Yeah, and anyone who, you know, knows is going to know but hopefully they can can get around as what best they can without having to cross that bridge. Right. You know, honestly, the transponder thing's a big difference because a lot of times you may not even be close enough to see the ship. You just you just see the signal, and that's all you get. Right. While we while we're talking about all that, we have the subplot, which is getting much thicker now, where we have uh, our good friend Miller still hot on the trail of Julie Mao. Yes. And now he's starting to get. Now he's starting to really get his fingers in. Yeah. And now he's found evidence linking Julie Mao to the OPA. Yeah. So the plot thickens. Yeah, he he. So there's a couple interesting things. Number one, <coughs> uh, the, there's there's the first. I think we we see Lady Cop. You know, Star he- Lady Head of the Star Helix. Yeah. On uh, on the station is basically giving giving the police free range to do whatever the fuck you want. Right. You know, we've been told that if uh, while we have rioting out there, you know, remember the contest become a thing, and Miller's partner was stabbed with a big ass fucking pipe right and almost killed and you know they're they're using it as like an opa thing yeah so what we have going on with miller's character now is he's worried he's following this down but you have the police that are kind of they've been told basically all right boys go out and bust heads this is what the what our superiors say but this is what we can get away with all the way yeah. to the tune of you know if somebody accidentally trips and falls out of an airlock that's life yeah it's like oops <laughs> Which, you know, is basically the impression you get from police in general. They don't really give a shit. Do whatever you got to do to make it look like an accident. Cover your yeah. asses, but, you know, win. Yeah. You know, the back seats of those uh, squad cars are really slippy, slippery. And if I take a turn going a little bit too fast, yeah, you know, I, know. I can't explain how he got the head injury, but. Exactly. And, you know, it, it opens up with like, so it's like, well, they at least understand the police dynamic all too well. Yeah. You know, understand that we're in power and we must keep control and we will keep control through fear because it's the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Now, Miller is kind of, he's quite, I guess you'd call him quote unquote a detective. So he's not really involving himself in that. He's, uh, he's chasing down his leads and he's made his connection to the OPA. And so he, he, he's, he's in a, I can't prove it yet, but I know there's something big going on here. Right. So while this is all going on, you have him, uh. You know, just having meetings with people like, say, Anderson Dawes, the leader yes. of the OPA. I guess I would say, not leader of the OPA because their OPA is a large group with many factions, but it would be, I guess, be considered like the most, the largest and most organized crime element of the OPA. Yeah, I, I would kind of consider him like a capo. You know, he's like a pretty big deal, but especially on series. Yeah. Honestly, he, he, he's pretty big, bigger than even a series, I think. But even being big on series is kind of a big deal in this situation because it is the essentially the hub of the belt. Right. You know, and he, he kind of meets with uh, Miller and he's like, well, you know, so, you know, that guy that you're after, you know, he's not really one of us. So if you wanted <laughs> to kind of, he thinks he's in a, a halfway house. And, you know, maybe if you... uh. You give me what I want, and we can kind of come to an agreement, and you know I'll let you take care of what you want to take care of, kind of thing. 
Yeah, a little back scratching going on. Yeah, which we've we've already seen is is essentially how all this works. You know, the police aren't any different than the criminals. They're just the ones that have the badges. And most of the shit they do kind of all works the same. It's either muscle or bribery. Yeah. So ultimately, he goes and has this conversation. And I think he also, he kind of, he's following threads. Essentially, the I believe the episode ends with him being black bagged. We don't really know who from, but I think I, I got the impression that he overstepped his welcome kind of in that department. Yeah. Like, hey, we gave you the one guy, not not all the guys. Yeah, really. Um, there's also a, another thing that we're going to see, I think, in the next episode. But he, he has let on to one other police officer what he's doing, follow, like how, the gravity of how big the whole julie mouth thing goes and it's 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 the one lady cop who's kind of like she's like oh well you just want to fi- find your rich girl and get your payday yeah and he stops her and says you know to, to say no you got it all wrong yeah this is a whole lot bigger than that i just can't prove it yet and i'm following the trail and to which her response is well that's above your pay grade yeah and it, i have a sinking suspicion that you know someone's gonna rat somebody else out because well, you know, yeah, cops because are, that always cops happens. are rats. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that always happens. You know, she's got something to game gain if she's the one that introduces somebody who's kind of not following a path that they're not supposed to be following within the organization, essentially. Right. So you know, it, 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 we don't really know who black bagged bagged him. I imagine we'll find out though. Yeah, and that's uh, I mean that's literally how the episode ends. You know, he just gets kidnapped in the bag tossed over his head and uh that's all we see so it'd be interesting to find out on the next episode who that was and why they did it it's always interesting oh yeah so we had with that what else was there anything else that we uh we didn't kind of cover in there um just that miller had found that data chip in her apartment oh that's right yeah it was the thing that happened just prior to getting kidnapped which is you know Helping, you know, putting the pieces together. That's the thing. Like he's his connection that he's seeing is he's going through flight plans for different things. Yeah, you know, and he knows the OPA moves things. You know, gets gets a hold of their flight plans, and he's looking over hers that she he pulled out of her apartment. And hey, why, why, why are these things connecting, and why? Yeah, he doesn't know yet, but you know, he's 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 a guy with that hat, so he's gonna find out. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, uh, what uh, what are the facts on this episode? What do you got for us? Okay, episode five. Back to the Butcher was directed by Rob Lieberman, who I think is actually retired now. He was a television director for a long time, um, but hasn't done anything since uh, 2016. And that was when this uh, show came out. So it was January 5th. Just like uh, last episode, it had a .631 rating. So it's kind of like right in that sweet spot middle area. Uh, but other than that, it's a... Uh, was a pretty good episode. I think this is right at the uh, the turning point where things start to happen for the for the first season. Oh yeah, I mean even in this episode, like the you've got Anderson's or you got you got sorry not Anderson. You have Fred Johnson's story. You've got the Rossinante story, and you've got Miller's story, and they're just fast and loose, just flipping you back and forth between all of them. Yeah, and at this point, you're still kind of guessing on how these three uh, storylines are going to intersect. Uh, the two have already kind of gotten to one so now we're just trying to figure out where miller is going to fit into all this at the end so i mean does he we don't even know yeah that's true i mean i know because i'm way ahead but <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's like i said it's i i i i don't know i think i got it way into this series a lot quicker than a lot of other people do but this is about the time like where shit really starts popping off and it is a it is a very fast-paced show in my like in my view like it does move a lot yeah. You know, even though it has such, you know, 
philosophical and political statements to make. Like it's still a lot of shit happens. Yeah, it's almost like the more it, it it's almost like the more shit starts happening, that the more difficult it gets to talk about stuff because it's like you've got to get through the actual TV show bit to see into what the actual stuff they're talking about is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, boss. Well, uh, anything else we need to bring up? Or are we good? No, I think that pretty much covers it. So uh, definitely come back next week for episode six. People, go uh, go tell your friends. We're having fun talking about this. I think there's a lot of really good ideas. Like I said, there's a lot of stuff to sync it up with in today's, you know, what's going on in the world today. It's right. in flux and strange as that might actually be. God, it feels terrifying existentially. <laughs> Yes. Why am I using existential so fucking much? That's not the kind of world you want to live in. You have to use the word existential. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, Eric. All right, everybody. Y'all have yourselves a good one. All right, later. Later.